From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind, and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. I'm Lawanjira Suladet. Mekong River is the library of more than 60 million people in mainland Southeast Asia. For thousands of years, Mekong has sufficiently fed people along its course with plentiful resources from its rich ecosystems that have adapted and thrived with the unique seasonal rhythm of the river. But right now, Mekong River is facing imminent threat from adverse impacts of hydropower dams that threaten to destroy the delicate web of lives that sustain people of Mekong region. The first signs of impact came with unnatural change of the flow of the river. Before the 1990s, people along Mekong River could exactly foretell when the river would rise up during monsoon month and when the water would recede back down during dry season. However, after the completion of Mangwon Dam, the first hydropower dam on the mainstream of Mekong River at China's southwestern province, Yunnan, in 1993, the predictable nature of Mekong River has changed forever. According to a report of the Mekong Butterfly, a group of local environmental activists based in Thailand, at the beginning of rainy season in May of that year, people in the lower reach of the dam found that water level in Mekong River, which was supposed to rise up during this time of year, was instead plummeting, despite of the normal rainfall. Moreover, Mekong Water Level Statistics of the Mekong River Commission chose the rise of average Mekong water level during the drier months from November to April since 1993. This rise caused an unprecedented flood in 2014, when the dry season flow reached record highs of up to three times its long-term average. The Mekong River Commission, or MRC, is an intergovernmental organization consisting of the four countries of Lower Mekong, which are Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and Thailand. These dry season high flows have also flooded farming plots on riverbank and inundated strands, which are the nesting grounds of many endemic bird species. Such unseasonal fluctuations of the Mekong River flow, which has never happened before the construction of the Mangwon Dam, are taking a heavy toll on both the fragile ecosystems and the livelihood of local communities along Mekong River. Study of the MRC and other environmental agencies, including the Mekong Butterfly, show common agreement to this conclusion. On the other hand, lower water level in wet season is disrupting the spawning cycle of many Mekong fish species. This had depleted Mekong fish stock which is a vital source of food and income for millions of people in the region. A study by the MRC has estimated that if this trend continues on, the fish population in some parts of the river will drop as much as 75% by 2040. 
as more new hydropower dams have become operational on the upper reach of mainstream Mekong River, people in its lower basin will face greater impacts. Currently, there are 13 dams operating in China, and another two recently started their operation in Laos. This dam have affected the ecosystem of the river in Cambodia and Vietnam, which are situated further downstream. The Mekong River Commission has cautioned that these dams are trapping loads of river sediment in their reservoir, triggering erosion throughout the entire length of the river, and that by 2040, only 3% of sediment will reach the river delta. Blocking the flow of nutrient-rich sediment to Mekong Delta will also significantly reduce soil fertility in the agriculture heartland that is known as the rice bowl of Vietnam. This will threaten food security of the entire region. Unlock the Science is pleased to welcome Brian Eiler, Director of Southeast Asia Program at Stimson Center, which is a non-profit think tank based in Washington, D.C. He also heads the Mekong Dam Monitor Project, which is an online platform monitoring Mekong River and its basin. Our reporter, Brad Lujitwanarom, discussed with him on this adverse impacts of hydropower dams. What is the current trend of the hydropower development and its impact mm-hmm. on the people and the nature along Mekong River? Yeah. Well, let me first talk about the Stimson Center's yeah. um, contribution. We we have derived something called a virtual gauge. And so instead of having a physical gauge alongside of the river, we use Sentinel, uh, European satellite uh, uh, imagery to uh, process uh, and estimate the level of rivers and reservoirs and lakes. An overall trend that we picked up is that through the years, uh, as more dams are being built, in Laos and China, uh, Vietnam and Cambodia, the the natural cycle of the Mekong River is changing. So that that high high during the wet season, the low low um, are changing. The highs are are coming down, the lows are coming up. And that's um, very damaging to what I call the mightiness of the Mekong. Okay. Could you please share your direct experience on the impact of the hydropower dam? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I've been following the Mekong for a long time and um, I launched a small blog when I wasn't, I wasn't working at the Stimson Center at this time called East by Southeast. And we launched it in 2013. And um, right around that time, there was a, a sudden flood uh, in Chiang Rai province um, during the dry season where the river level rose three or four meters overnight rather suddenly. And most people there knew that it didn't rain and that it came from an upstream dam release in China. And no, no media outlets covered it. Um, very few researchers picked up on it. Um, and only one article was written about it, I know, because I commissioned that article to be written for my blog. Um, and, uh, and I look back at that. And again, that's the only kind of written piece about this extreme flood event caused by a dam in 2013. Uh, millions of dollars in damage w- was delivered to the riverbanks. Um, livestock was washed away, 
people's farming assets, uh, equipment were washed into the river. And, and that hurts poor people the most. And again, it wasn't covered um, in the media. Now with the Mekong Dam Monitor, through our notifications uh, and our actions with Eyes on Earth and also the efforts of many, many others, even slight rises in the river are being covered by numerous media outlets. And um, we are delivering this near real-time information to communities, to the media, to government authorities all at the same time so that they have time to prepare and adapt uh, for these upstream changes coming downstream. Now it's not stopping the upstream behavior, but at least it's giving people a chance to adjust and adapt and reduce their own risk and exposure to these upstream floods uh, uh, that come downstream as well as the restrictions. Mm -hmm. That is quite very good to hear that there is some good development. But uh, if the Macron country continue on to build more hydropower dams, what do you think, what will happen to Macron River in the future? Well, the Mekong River is already in a lot of trouble. Um, there are already over, by our count, 200 dams built in the Mekong system when you count irrigation dams and smaller hydropower dams um, in China and in Thailand um, on top of the 100 or so that are built in Laos. So each of these dams deliver what I call a death of a thousand cuts to the mugginess of the Mekong. Um, they disconnect the uh, ability for fish to travel upstream and downstream and their, their normal migration patterns. Um, they prevent sediment from flowing downstream and, and nourishing the land and the people that draw resources from the land. And they, they change that natural hydrological cycle that up and down the, the flood pulse that comes through each year. Um, and more will be built. Um, so I worry, I, I worry that um, the Mekong Basin has already passed its point of no return for its ability to replenish itself ecologically um, and allow nature to do its work. Uh, and that's a troublesome uh, conclusion if, if it ind indeed is true. So um, that means declining fish catches, declining agricultural yields from traditional forms of, of agriculture and declining livelihoods for tens of millions of people. But we need to, again, test this assumption because the last two years of continuous drought, um, that's a meteorological drought and a lack of rainfall exacerbated by dams could be just a kind of abnormal weather pattern. Um, yeah. We'll have to wait and see this year if, if the rains come. And uh, most predictions say that this year will be a wetter than than a wetter year than the previous years. Um, so again, it's it's a an assumption to test. Have has the Mekong passed its ecological point of no return? Mm -hmm. Certainly, more dams are going to take it closer to that point of no return if it's not reached. And um, fewer dams built in the future would be better for the Mekong. And importantly, there are lots of alternatives there to hydropower development if power generation is, is to be sought and, and expanded in the future, like solar and wind and other forms of power generation. Do you think uh, who and where will affect the most from adverse impact of hydropower dam if we do not stop or make a sustainable way uh, to develop the Mekong? Sure. Well, the poorer you are along the Mekong, the more you're hit. 
um, I think that's a that's a general rule. Mm-hmm. Um, the less you're able to adapt to the changing surroundings, so so that's not a a where you know it's where because if you're closer to the Mekong, mm-hmm. uh, the poorer you are, the, the more difficult it is. Um, and I would say the more that your traditional way of life um, relied on the Mekong for fish catch and also farming, um, and if you don't have resources to adapt, then that's going to hit hard. And we're talking about tens of millions of people. Um, I think the greatest concentration of vulnerable people are in Cambodia, um, like the highest number and the greatest concentrations. There, there are millions of people who derive their uh, both their income and their protein from the Tonle Sap Lake fish catch. And that fish catch is declining. So, you know, you, you're hitting people's tummies and their wallets, right? Their diets and their income. Um, and with very little recourse, you know, they can't just pack up and go work in a factory in a city. It's not that simple. So I think a, a severe erosion of, of natural resource um, provision in Cambodia could lead to um, crisis, could lead mm-hmm. to mass migration of people out of Cambodia. We're already seeing this, right? You have Cambodians coming to Thailand. Um, I think that will pick up. Um, they could go to Vietnam too. Um, could lead to a political crisis in Cambodia. And then if these things happen, then the, the whole world watches and the whole world gets involved um, or should get involved, um, you know, including China. Uh, Vietnam has a, a very similar situation uh-huh. with um, even more people in Cambodia than more people than Cambodia living in the Mekong Delta. Um, but Vietnam has more resources to um, kind of plow into the problem and actually has a plan to build resilience and, um, and restore the natural processes of the Mekong Delta called its Resolution 120. But still Vietnam is threatened by both upstream dam impacts and then sea level rise with, with the Mekong Delta um, looking to be mostly underwater and, and by the end of the century. We will take a short break now. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. Hydropower dams had long been seen as the ideal solution of economic development and the source of cheap and green renewable energy in supporting the growth of Mekong region economies as far back as the 1960s. It was a good plan at the time. Since Mekong countries have a larger number of flowing rivers, where hydropower dams can be built, especially the mighty Mekong. Among the Mekong nations, Laos is the most ambitious country in the terms of developing its economy by relying on hydropower development. In the past decade, the Lao government has actively promoted foreign hydropower investment. This small and landlocked country aspires to become the battery of Asia. Laos News Agency has reported that it was expected by 2020 its government would operate hundreds of new hydropower dams across the country to generate up to 28,000 megawatts of hydroelectricity. This amount is almost enough to power all of Thailand for a year. Selling electricity is its power-hungry neighbors is the key source of foreign currency revenue for Laos. But do Mekong countries 
have to continue building hydropower dams to meet their energy demand. The cost of wind and solar energy and their storage technology has been falling. This could present a prime opportunity for Mekong countries to replace impactful hydropower dams with more viable renewable alternatives. A report by World Wildlife Fund has indicated that with proactive policy and planning to pursue sustainable energy path, the region could meet future power demand with considerable lower development of hydropower. Consequently, this would mitigate the negative impacts of hydropower on the fragile Mekong ecosystems. Up next, we are going to talk to Associate Professor Dr. Le An Duan, Senior Lecturer at College of Environment and Natural Resources and also Vice Director of Research Institute for Climate Change at Ganter University in Vietnam on the possibility of more sustainable energy development for Mekong region. From the change of the environmental degradation due to the impact of hydropower dam that we have recently seen on the Mekong River, what do you think should be done to mitigate this problem? Uh, I think uh, to mitigate the negative impact of the hydropower dam in the upstream of the Mekong are not simple uh, and very expensive. Even we are facing many, many loss uh, that are difficult to mitigate or recover. For example, uh, the hydropower dam may change the wetland ecosystem mm -hmm. and uh, biodiversity. It's very difficult to recover or mitigate. Uh, in the Mekong Delta, the farmer had tried to mitigate the negative impact due to the change of the hydrological characteristics and flow from the upper Mekong. Sometimes aggressed by the climate change and the sea level rise phenomena, by uh, the farmer try to transform their agriculture, cultivation, and aquaculture of production for mm -hmm. more suitable. Uh, however, uh, efficiency of the Agriculture, okay, agricultural pollution transformation is something ineffective uh, because uh, there's many uncertainties about the upcoming uh, crop uh, schedule. Uh, the farmer try to, to, to adjust their production, yeah. but they don't know how the water come from uh, the upstream of the Mekong, uh, Mekong River will be changed. Mm -hmm. It depends on the operation of the hydro, the story of the hydropower uh, power dam. Uh, in fact, we also lack the seasonal annual and the seasonal hydropower dam operation data from China's or from mm -hmm. the Laos. Uh, very sketchy and approximate data may it difficult to predict unusual change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is the impact that have already been affected on the Mekong Delta? Um, it's affect to the agricultural production and uh, yeah. the change of the, the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And uh, we face many uh, um, saline intrusion from the sea because of the lack of the fresh water from the stream. 
and uh, many uh, band erosion due to the lack of the sediment. The fishery should also reduce uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, very much. Yeah. Okay. As we have seen that hydropower dam has played a big part in many Mekong country economic. Do you have any suggestion on what are more sustainable alternative plan for economic de development for Mekong region? Uh, the need for more electricity and for economic development huh? is also quite necessary for the country in the Mekong uh, basin. However, we can mitigate both environment, environmental and social problems by sharing risk or benefit. Mm -hmm. In the short term, it is not uh, invisible to develop more hydroelectric projects because it will make more problems more and more complicated and difficult to solve. And that's uh, all the countries can find the alternative energy source such as development uh, renewable energy, clean, cleaner energy, such as solar energy, wind, so, wind biomass, or even the seaway energy. Uh -huh. uh, these energy are very potential and abundant in the tropical Asian Pacific region. The cost and the technical for the renewable energy are increasing cheaper and more efficiencies and recent decay. At the same time, the country in the region need to promote energy saving and efficiency mm -hmm. uh, use of energy. Yeah, I think we have many ways to, to solve the problem. Mm. Do you think what role the MRC and its member countries should play in order to promote sustainable development for the good of nature and the people of the region? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think uh, we need uh, to realize that the Mekong is a common uh, natural mm -hmm. property for all countries and the, mm -hmm. all the people who are living in the, in the basin. Mm -hmm. uh, the water in the Mekong uh, River is a common use for, every, for everyone. And the MRC and the intergovernmental organization that coordinated and support the uh, sustainable development in the basin. Mm -hmm. The M MRC had also seen the challenges and the risk watched by the uncertainty, uh, unsustainable development in the country, in particular, at least they are related uh, to the climate uh, crisis and the natural disaster. Mm -hmm. However, the MRC have yet to pressure China and other countries such as the Laos to share the fully and uh, accountability in the uh, operation of uh, the harmonization of the dam and uh, had not formed an accountability mechanism to share the risk in economic, environment, and uh, society among the upper and lower Mekong countries. Uh, perhaps uh, the MRC also need to come up with uh, an initiative to set up the fund uh, to overcome the risk and uh, mitigate the challenges in exploiting the Mekong River shore. And, and, and I think uh, the, the MRC should uh, 
use this lesson to uh, to the Lao government or uh, the investor to understand the CCU and try to stop uh, to build the hydropower dam as much as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. We can we can uh, uh, review uh, many lessons learned not only in the Mekong uh, River Basin but also in other countries in the world, uh, mm-hmm. like in um, in the European or uh, in the American. They try to reduce the use of the mm-hmm. uh, hydropower power dam or the, for promoting the renewable energy. From the start of our journey. To understand more about Mekong River, we can clearly see that the river is more than just a mere waterway. Mekong River is revered as the mighty mother, who has been generously providing food and livelihood for millions of people in four Southeast Asian countries. But in recent time, Mekong River has been treated mainly as a source of hydropower that generates revenue for governments. And major corporations, one after another, big hydropower dams have been built over the river, cutting down its free flow into pieces. Some have said Mekong River has already reached its point of no return. Yet, the solution for sustainable growth of Mekong region through cheaper, cleaner, and more efficient renewable energy are still available. It is clear that. Critical time for saving our mother Mekong has to start now, and it is upon us to choose the path. Unlock the signs. Would like to thank Brian Eiler, director of Southeast Asia Program at Stimson Center, and Associate Professor Dr. Lei Antuan, vice director of Research Institute for Climate Change at Gantou University in Vietnam, for sharing their insights on the current challenge. And the way forward for Mekong River and our region. I hope you enjoy our program. You can listen to Unlock the Science on Jula Radio Plus at FM 101.5 every Saturday, from 1 p.m. to 1:30 p.m. You can also listen and follow us on our website, curadio.jula.ac.th, and our Facebook page. And our program is also available at podcast. See you again next Saturday. Have a nice day. Unlock the science is edited and produced by Sinfa Tunsorawud with Lawan Jirasurade as the program host and co-producer. 